everybody said amen. amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for coming. Thank you that this many is well. Amen. Still got several among us that's having different problems. And so our prayers go with them this morning. Especially Brother Michael and uh, his family over that uh, situation this morning. We just pray that God would help them. Uh, I got a call yesterday evening or last night, one, that I think they had about a foot and a half snow last night in Canada. They got a blizzard going on, so they didn't know whether any of them would be able to get to church or not. And are we even live streaming today? Are we going out? Or are we live streaming? So we are live streaming, and maybe they'll all be in their homes. So we pray that they will have a nice, warm atmosphere this morning. And they won't even feel guilty about staying home. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for that old guilt sensation, we'd all be in better shape, wouldn't it? Amen. How many of you have ever felt guilty about what you, most of the time, what you don't do? Amen. Because everything that you do, you had to think about it first. People say, oh, I, I spoke without thinking. That's not true. You always think before you speak, and therefore, if you think, you had to make a decision. If not so, then God wouldn't hold you accountable for the actions and the deeds that you do. So, uh, we got a baptismal service this morning, uh, so we're a little bit early. We'll just try to keep it on a lower pace. Uh, I still have more testimony. If you're concerned about me, as I am concerned about me, then uh, we got more tests to run. And a doctor can say, well, I see that you're not interested in going towards surgery. I said, anything, but don't cut on me. And he said, well, you're doing pretty good for your age. As bad a shape you're in, you're doing all right. And that was good news. <laughs> one wants to cut your throat out, and the other wants to cut your heart out, and the other wants you to retire. And I said, why don't you just tell me to go to Mexico for 10 days, and I'll be over my problem. And that lady kind of uh, laughed. said, that would be a good prescription, wouldn't it? I said, yes, it would. Seemingly, my heart is not producing as enough. 40% is all it's producing, and that's not enough to, when you exert, to keep enough air going to your brain to stand up. So that's the reason why I've been coming and going like we have, but... Uh, God can do more with 40% than we can do with 100, amen? So we'll just try to watch our pace and uh, trust the Lord that He will work things out for us, and we'll see what the tests come out next week to get the verdict. But uh, we're thankful for the blessings of God. Uh, this has been uh, one year, hasn't it? This is a turning point. If somebody doesn't understand that we've turned a corner and something happened, well, then you, you don't live... <laughs> You don't live conscious of what's going on. How many of us really re regret how we see things are going, but we know it's exactly what the Word of God tells us? We always spout that God sent us a prophet and told us who we are, but He also told us what was going to happen. And He said we would have a woman president before the annihilation of this nation, and we set it up in this election to have that woman president and he said it would produce the greatest depression that the world has ever seen. And the tr uh, we have it coming. So we, all the, <laughs> I guess the part of politics and the lying and the cheating, I've been watching Westerns. <laughs> I, I just quit Fox News and all that garbage just began to de de uh, depress me a lot more. So I just went and got some hop-along casting movies. And I've been, I've been watching Hoppy hop on his horse and gallop around. I used to, when I was 9 or 10 years old, sit all, all day Saturday with my grandpa watching westerns. And they'd always have about two hours of hop along cast. I never really liked him. I didn't like Hoppy. He was just old folky. He wasn't, he wasn't cool. You know what I mean? He was too old to be playing westerns anyway. But he had the silver hair and the silver bullet. And hallelujah, glory to God. So I liked Lone Ranger for a while. So I was the Lone Ranger. And then I found out I didn't like Lone Ranger anymore. So, basically, I was a Durango kid when I was in school. Durango kid, yeah. So, I was a great Western fan. It's amazing when you get old how you revert back to those things that uh, you raised up with. I was an uh, Elvis fan when in my 20s. I hope I don't regress that far back. So, <laughs> What I'm saying is there's not much difference between us old ones and you young ones. You just got different uh, 
things that you have to go through, but we will go through them. Amen. We will make it through because the world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. There will be a manifestation of what the sons of God believe. There will be a manifestation of that. You say, what is the manifestation of the sons of God? The revelation that they preach to you that you don't believe. Because they have a revelation of the Word of God for this hour. They preach that message and people reject it. But then what comes to pass, what they preach is the manifestation that the sons of God's revelation was true. So it's coming to pass and uh, everybody that's dancing in the street today will be dancing in hell very shortly. It's a sad shape to think that we are this close of a nation, as many opportunities as God give us to have a prophet, turn that prophet down, now the judgments of God is up on America, and we'll continue until it is totally destroyed. But he said it wouldn't come before he takes us into glory, in the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that's what we believe, and that's what our revelation is, and that's what we are confessing to be true. So, after all of those wonderful news this week, and all of that great enlightening enthusiasm that I enjoyed, you always say, what can you preach to a people in this kind of condition? What is the message that you would preach to a nation that has rejected God? That is that basically absolutely voted in abortion on demand, homosexuality, perversion, sodomite, lying, cheating, steal, anything that you can write or even talk about, this nation has cast their vote that that's the way they want to go. And you could go on and on and on besides that, but they, I believe that America has spurned their day of uh, grace away, and now God will return the gospel of the kingdom back to Israel for the final 144,000. So I guess we could sing the song, It's Not Over Till It's Over, but uh, I say let's just get on with it. Amen. But I can expect by this not great things or bad things to happen because they're going to come. You might as well get ready for it because it's going to come. Prepare your mind because it is coming. Don't go insane. These spirits will drive you insane unless you have a promise. You've got to know where you stand in faith before Almighty God. And having done all to stand, we will stand and we will therefore prove that we are the justified ones before God. So basically, I wanted to basically introduce a thought, not introduce it, but confirm it. Bring us right back to the foundation of faith, right down to the foundation of this message. And I simply titled, I don't know whether we can even put anything on the board or not. I think we didn't even get enough notes this morning. The machine went out, and this went out, and everything went out, and I've gone out, and everybody's out. Praise God. But anyway... We'll run on 40%, 40% notes, 40% heart, 40% belief, and 40%, I guess. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> now, with all that encouraging message, we'll look at the Word of God. Proverbs 17, verses 15. Now, we look at a scripture, and my message is, or our thought and our study, is justification by faith alone. Now, justification is a big word. I used to preach on the five great words of the Bible, which is propitiation, regeneration, justification, sanctification, and redemption. Those are the five great words of the Bible given by the Apostle Paul to prove his revelation and his gospel. Very few people understand what those five words mean. Very few people understand what those five words mean, and the definition of those five words determine your destiny. But the great word is justification. Now, how many knows what justification means? To be right before God. To be justified. To be declared righteous before Almighty God. And Brother Bram said, this is my Thanksgiving message to you, little bride, that you absolutely stand justified before God. Watch as though you never done it in the first place. We all know we done it. We all know that we're sinners saved by grace. We all know that we got a debt before God. We all know that we're missing the mark. And by missing the part, how can a perfect God declare us righteous and justified before our son? Now, that's been the battle between the grace and the worst, grace and worst, legalism and, and uh, Calvinism for 2,000 years. And people still war with it. They wrestle with it to their own destruction. 
But the Apostle Paul said he had the revelation. And his gospel was the gospel of salvation. You say, well, I believe what Jesus preached. Then you don't believe Paul's gospel. Because Jesus preached the gospel of the coming kingdom. Of which Paul preached the kingdom of God has been delayed. To graft in a Gentile bride. According to the predestinated plan of God. The kingdom of God has been delayed. In other words, there's an injection. The Jews turned down their gospel of the kingdom, so they didn't set up the kingdom, and Jesus being the king and Israel being the nation to control all nations. That's what they had believed, and that's what they still believe. But Jesus didn't set up his kingdom, so they rejected Jesus. Paul's gospel is the gospel of grace through faith in Jesus. The postponement of the kingdom of God to graft in a bride to make Israel jealous. And to make them jealous, he's going to let the Gentile, you and I, come into the kingdom of God, take the position to the right hand as a bride. Have our position in the throne room in the New Jerusalem. And Israel out here, because of rejected, basically receiving their rewards outside of the city, because they rejected the gospel of Jesus. But we accept the gospel of the Apostle Paul, saved by grace in Jesus Christ. Now, that's it in a nutshell. You can pair the two, and the two Gospels are opposite, almost opposite parallel to each other. That's the reason when you look at Peter and, and James, that were basically legalists. James preached legalism. They did not accept the Gospel of grace according to the Apostle Paul. He brought them down to the Jerusalem Council. They argued over it, and they come to the conclusion, Paul, you go preach to the heathens. They don't know nothing anyway. So you going out there and preach the gospel that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We will continue. We're going to keep our uh, rituals, our ceremonies. They even offered up sacrifices, and they took over Jerusalem, and that's where your first pope come out of there. So if you want to church, follow church history, you can follow this Antichrist movement all the way through to America, which is the last stand of Christianity. We're the last frontier of Christianity and freedom. And if you can't see that that spirit wants to control you, dominate you, Control everything that you think, read, say, do, and work. Then you're looking at the power of the beast or the mark of the beast is to control what you do, what you think, where you work in your life, period. Satan wants to control you. You say, well, Satan lets us do anything we want to. As long as you're in the bars, smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing, whoring around, Satan is controlling you. You're a servant of the devil. Boy, that's one over big, didn't it? You're serving the devil. He's in control of you. You're his servant. Well, I'm not the servant of the devil. Well, then turn away from the devil and see, how, see what happens. Why don't you turn away from hell and try to go to heaven? Turn from evil into good. Come against evil and see what happens. Boy, my friends like me. Yeah, because you cuss, chew, and everything just like they do. But just say you went to church, got baptized, got saved, you don't believe in that no more, then see who your friends are. <laughs> Amen. Preach it, Billy Sunday. Praise God. If I had enough air, I would preach it this morning. Amen. I preached a message almost 35 years ago that we are justified by faith, Jesus plus nothing. And I've been ostracizing the message ever since because they say, well, you don't believe in holiness no more. You don't believe in proper dress no more. Women wearing their hair. You don't believe in beating the people every Sunday. I said, no, I didn't believe in that no more. Because I found the more legalism there was and the more conduct and the more the control they had over the people, the farther the people got away from the Word of God. They got confined to a man. They got confined to a system. They got confined to their standards of holiness. And, and the big bride, big pride began to take over. Like all of our women's got a long hair. All of our women's dressed right. All of our women, all of our women, all of our women. You find out the problem was women. Because every one of them become a whoremonger and run off with another woman. So let's preach the grace of God, election by predestination. God saved me. God elected me. God will keep me. And I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to make it all the way to the end. And he will work it out. Praise God. He got me this far. He'll work it out the rest of the way. Amen. But I want for basically the young people, I want us to basically come back to the Bible because the bride will return to the Bible. We will return to the revelation given to the apostle Paul. Brother Brown said, well, we follow Brother Brown. Brother Brown, when he went across, he said, I preached the same gospel that Paul preached. Is that what he said? 
Why did he say that? He could have said, I preach the same gospel Jesus preached. You would think he would say, I preach the same gospel Jesus preached. But he said, I preach the same gospel that Paul preached. You say, well, you're telling me that the gospel of Paul is greater than the gospel of Jesus? No. One had good news of one thing. One had good news of another. The gospel message has changed down through the ages. Through the dark ages, what was it? Catholicism, traditions, whatever more, darkness, whatever more. People didn't have Bibles, they didn't have nothing. They just followed the priests. Luther come out with justification by faith. His gospel was you're justified by faith. People didn't believe that because they, uh, the Catholic Church believes you're justified or you're made right before God by the, your works. You got to light a candle. You got to say, Hail Mary, Mother of God, three times. You got to count your beads and all that ritualism to be right. And every bit of it is of the devil. So, according to what being right in the works of God that they were doing, according to a prophet, was absolutely worshiping Satan without even knowing it. Because what? How hard do you have to be off of the true understanding of the Word of God to be wrong? See, how much can I not understand or disbelieve and be wrong? One word off is the devil's kingdom. One word off is on the other side. Well, I believe 90% of it. 90% won't get you in. So you got to understand that you and I are not capable of producing a righteousness, a faith, or a belief to the degree that says, God says, now that's perfect. I'm going to accept that. I'm going to let you in because everything you do and everything you believe is absolutely one with the Word. He said, no, because you can't be. I've got to work it out myself, and God has worked it out. Amen. So he made it as simple. Even a blind man could see. Amen. So let's look at this. We want to look at justification by faith. Now, this is a... Uh, this subject, according to the Apostle Paul, is not skim milk. It's not a Sunday class. It's not a, let's all get together. Let's all love one another. Let's all have a good time. Let's have a barbecue. Let's just have fellowship. Now, th this is where you get down to the nitty-gritty of soul salvation. Because we got two areas we got to worry about. Not only do we have to be justified on the inside, the heart. you got to be righteous on the outside. Call your works are the physical man. So we got an outside problem and we got an inside problem. Now does the Word of God give us the answer for both of our problems to be right before God? Now remember our message of this hour that Jesus must retain, be retained in heaven until the restitution of all things. Those all things is the revelation or the gospel that's preached and given to the prophets and to the apostle, especially the apostle Paul, because he had the revelation to the Gentiles. So we're looking at the restitution of all things. Heaven must retain Jesus now until the restitution of all things. And all things are doctrine according to the word of God. Therefore, the gospel that Jesus preached and Peter preached, the 12 disciples preached, will come to pass. There will be a kingdom of God. Jesus will be the king of that kingdom. They will have their position as uh, 24 elders, 12 apostles, and thrones, and whatever more outside the kingdom. But there's also another regeneration. There's another group that can only, not only be justified, but they can be born again. In other words, justification on the outside, but there's a, re a justification on the inside to the place that you can actually be born again, regenerated, to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. So, can there, is there a justification with God to regeneration? When the brother Bram come out and preached the wise and foolish virgins, people went bonkers. I got kicked out of my first church over a Sunday school lesson I preached. Well, you was there, Dennis. Over the wise and foolish virgins. I think that was one of the first lessons I had enough uh, gumption to get up and teach. And that split the church, throwed us out, and put us out on a hill, didn't it? <laughs> Uh, Dennis has been through with, with a lot of stole pipes thrown out of churches. Well, you remember that uh, song fest we went to and they had boxes up there and y'all thought there were snakes in there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Brother Gregory, i got a lot of age, but I've got a lot of miles too. So, I've been through and seen a lot of things. But when you preach the wise and foolish virgins, now, how many knows that both wise and foolish virgins are sons and daughters of God? 
But the foolish virgins will not be regenerated or receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost or its equivalent until the white throne judgment 1,000 years down the road. You say, well, how come their sons, they're all sanctified because they're virgins. Virgins mean set apart, sanctified ones. And how can that son not be regenerated? And we find out by a prophet that the regeneration didn't come to quicken their sonship because they would not accept the atonement in its fullness. In other words, they would not accept the revelation given to the Apostle Paul of the complete redemption of your soul by faith and faith alone. You cannot be made righteous by anything that you do. You're made righteous by faith. So what we want to look at in this study is justification by faith alone. And I call it, I preached a whole series, 40 sermons on Jesus plus nothing. Now I'm calling it justification by faith alone. And we want to look at the title is more, can a man be right or can a man be justified before God? Now that's a Bible question because we're going to find out that the, uh, Job absolutely asked that question. So you find in Proverbs 17, 15, have me with me this morning. All right. Is it warmed in here? Can I turn it down just a little bit? It's 71. Y'all sure got a lot of steam going, I think. that. And when you start shaking, I'll know that it's cool enough. Now, every one of you knows I love you, don't you? I spent my whole life here trying to get us all into the kingdom of God. Amen. And we will make it. Amen. So in Proverbs 17, 15, look very carefully. Now, this is like a Sunday school lesson. And we'll just keep on this subject for a while because I know nothing else to teach you until the Holy Spirit moves upon us to take us into the body change and the rapture. That is what we're waiting for. There will be a move of the Spirit sometime shortly before the destruction of America comes because we will not be here in that destruction. We're going to miss it. We will be here as the sixth seal begins to open. The wrath and the judgment of God begin to increase more and more. Now, what toleration will be here? How much we have to suffer? I don't know, but we will suffer. So prepare your mind that you're going to have to do it. Don't get nervous and gloom and doom. Because this is, the, this is just a four-step promise that what he's going to do for you when this condition comes. He will come right into the midst of the fiery furnace. He will be in the den of lions. Amen. And he will be at your right hand. Anytime you call upon him, I will be there, he said. So the question is, can a man be right? Can a man be justified, declared righteous before God? Proverbs 17, 15 says, he that justifieth the wicked. Now, we're all in that category of ungodly and wicked as far as a category of mankind is concerned. And he that condemneth the just, what, he that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. Hmm. Proverbs 24, 23. He that saith unto the wicked, thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him. We find in Job, John, Job responding here to this issue. He said, watch, and this is where I got my text of asking the question. He said, of course I know that this is true. He's talking to the, uh, his accusers. Watch. But how can a man be justified before God? That's the question. That's been the $64 question ever since the Garden of Eden. How can a man be justified before God. He said if, you, if someone wants to argue with God. He could not refute one charge out of a thousand. So the question is how can a righteous uh, God. Declare an unrighteous person justified or righteous. Now before we venture in that. I want to bring our minds back to last week. Because this is all one subject. And last week we looked at the question of Paul. An apostle chapter I believe Acts chapter 16 where he was asked a question by the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Or in other words, what must I do to be delivered from the sin problem? Because the word saved means delivered. Now you could be delivered from alcohol. 
You can be delivered from gambling. You can be delivered from this, be delivered from that, be delivered so and so, and not have your soul delivered and translated into the kingdom of God. So you got to watch the way the word save is being used. We're interested in what can we do to be saved, meaning can my soul be delivered from the sin problem? If I'm delivered from the sin problem, then I am righteous before God. Because the only thing that keeps me out of fellowship with God and out of the blessings of God is basically the problem called sin. Sin is the problem. How do we overcome sin? Is there an answer to sin? Will sin ever be solved? That's the issue. So I want to refer your mind back to a statement Brother Bram said. We can't put it on the board, I don't guess. And uh, uh, you got it in your quotes, so I'll just read it. If the ones that has the notes. Brother Bram said it in the message, faith. He said, you have one thing to do to be righteous, all right? You have one thing to do to be justified. Because the word righteous or righteousness is the, exactly the same word as justified or justification. Justification means to be made right before God or just as though you never done it. All right? So basically, the question is, you have one thing to do to be justified. That's have faith in God. Now watch our thought. Our study is justification by faith alone. You're not justified by any other thing than by faith alone. He said, for by faith are you saved or delivered. By faith are you healed. By faith you get everything that you have from God. See, it's by faith that you believe it. Now, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy house shall be saved or delivered from sin. And what he's talking about, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ... You shall be made righteous. You shall have a standing before God as righteous. And God will see you and hear you as though you have never sinned in the first place. He has to look at you as you are free from debt and free from any inward thoughts. And out of the heart comes all these abundance of thoughts and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. All sins come out of the the heart, and then it comes to the mouth, and then you're justified or condemned by the words out of your own mouth. Are you following me now? So if you want to be justified, you got to talk right. you got to be, say the right thing. So he said, now, to be saved, you must be saved by faith are you saved. So we found in that simple statement now, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thy house shall be saved, was the Apostle Paul's answer to this question that we're looking at, can a man be righteous before God? We notice also in the message, Principles of Divine Healing. Brother Branham preached this. Now watch, Principles of Divine Healing. And he said the same principle that saves you is the same principle that heals you. Amen. Because sickness is a product of sin. Therefore, if you have faith to be saved, you, that same faith healed you. And there's where we can't figure it out. Well, I know I'm saved, but I'm sick. According to Brother Branham, if you're saved, the same faith that saved you, the same faith that healed you. You say, well, Brother Branham was sick. Well, Paul had a conf uh, affliction too. So we got this dilemma. But we're promised now, at this time, and this is the only stage of time in man's history, that the revelation of the Word of God will be so simple and so clear and remove all doubt and all questions about the ability of God through Jesus Christ to save you. And that revelation will strike a heart of a group of people. And they will have one mind, one mouth, one testimony that we are now the sons and daughters of God through faith. We're the only age that can ever come to this simplicity of knowing by the word of God, vindicated by God, that we are truly and true believers in Jesus Christ. No other age could do it. This is the only age for a short period of time that the true revelation of Jesus Christ, that he's not one of three people. Come on. He's not a third person. He's not the one person God. There is one God who is spirit. Can you say that now? God is a spirit. 
God is the Word. God is love. Therefore, God being love, God being spirit, God being the Word, produces God down to you understanding and receiving the Word as receiving Almighty God. If you reject the Word, you have rejected the Holy Spirit. If you receive the Word of God, you have received the Holy Spirit. So we're coming down, it's clear, so this question, oh, do I have the Holy Ghost, don't I have the Holy Ghost? Am I born again or not born again? Uh, what's the evidence of the Holy Ghost? How can I prove it? How can, it's coming down to what? We can absolutely know by simply your mind and heart and mouth agreeing with the written Word of God that you are truly a part of God Himself, which is the Word. All right. So Paul, uh, he said, now, Brother Bam said, watch. The principle of divine healing is still the same principle of salvation. Well, I don't know, he said. What if you come down to the altar, which that altar calls? Well, I don't know. See, but in your heart, you believe you're saved. Now, there's a lot of message people right there. In their heart, they believe that they're saved. And don't say nothing about it. You'll never be saved. Until you believe it, accept it, and confess it. Now, there's the principle of deliverance. There's the principle of faith. There's the principle of receiving anything in your life is by believing it, accepting it to be true, and confess it with your mouth to basically establish a testimony that you really believe it. You confirm to your own heart, out of your mouth, what you believe down here. You can believe down here, oh, I believe I'm saved. But you don't confess it out of your mouth. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I, you're not saved. But according to God, He only hears your voice because you're perfect as He looks through you through the blood. So God does not see your faults as you think He sees them. He's only looking at the blood sacrifice that's standing in heaven for you. But he hears your voice through the blood. And if you say to God the same thing that the Bible has already said, you're bearing witness, you are one of two witnesses. Because in your mouth you're saying what one witness has already said, either the Apostle Paul or the prophet, either one, and both of them said the same thing. You are confirming that the Word of God is true to you. And your confession confirms it to your own life according to God. So if you say, I'm a believer, I am justified before God, according to the written word of God, according to God's own word, you stand right before his very presence. Now remember, the judge is here. We're standing before this very situation in this hour. Brother Bram said, my ministry declared to you that he is here, and he was here as the wig one, the judge. To make this declaration, to make this separation, the Word of God is here. The message is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, that absolutely separates the two elements of your being. He justifies your soul, but there has to be a confession to confirm it to your body for regeneration that you call the new birth or a new creation. And the only way you'll ever achieve it is by opening your mouth and saying the right thing. Uh, who was the brother in wheelchair? He used to go around every meeting. He said, Brother Bram said, when I say the right thing, I'll come out of the wheelchair. Well, Brother Bram probably told him that. When you say the right thing, you'll come out of the wheelchair. As far as I know, he never said the right thing. He'd come before, they'd push him before all the audience in every meeting, and he'd get up and give his testimony. Brother Bam told me that if I ever say the right thing, I'll come out of this wheelchair, and he'd say, by his stripes, I'm healed, da-da-da-da-da-da, he, but he stayed in his wheelchair. Well, you say, well, then, Brother Gregor, what was the right thing? I don't know. But he didn't say the right thing that confirmed what God told him. Well, he said, by his stripes, I'm healed. That wasn't the right thing for him, maybe. What if he said, I am healed and got up? What if he had said, by, according to a vindicated prophet, 
I am healed. Therefore, I will fulfill that word by rising up in the name of the Lord and walking. If he got up on his feet and fell flat on his face, if he got up again and fell flat on his face, if he got up again and fell flat on his face, if he got up until he didn't fall flat on his face, he'd be walking today. Amen. So we're looking at this. We found Paul, uh, I'm actually rerunning last week's sermon, and hopefully we'll get to this in this week. We find in Romans chapter 10, Paul gives us this, uh, this principle of faith also. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In other words, you shall be delivered from sin. You shall be delivered from sickness. You shall be delivered for everything that he died for on Calvary. Is a part of your blessings, your benefits of redemption. And according to your faith, it will be appropriated to us. Now, hopefully we have enough faith to reach salvation. But our faith as far as exercising other things seems to be diminishing more and more. Watch. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And that word righteousness is justification. With the heart man believeth unto justification. With the heart man believeth unto justification. Not that he's doing something. He's believing something. He's believing what the gospel tells him. He's believing what the word of the hour is to us as individuals. We don't hear Luther's message preached too much today. Because we are a part of the body of Christ that makes up a certain portion of the body of Christ to be manifested. And it requires the message of this hour to bring forth the manifestation of your soul to fulfill the prophecy of God. When we receive the portion of the word of God, we call the message today, we're absolutely by hearing and receiving, we are receiving the Holy Ghost, the revealed word of God. That is being poured out to us by the preaching of the gospel. Well, you say, well, Brother Gregory, how come we're, where's all the spirit? Where's it? Oh, it's sitting right here in your mouth right now. Where is God? He is nigh thee even in thy mouth. When this bride realizes who she is, what she is, then she can do the greater work. She will open her mouth and confirm who she is to bring forth the manifestation of the sons of God. And it's closer and closer and closer. So he said, with the heart man believeth unto justification. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, which is the principle of total deliverance from sin, death, hell, and everything else. Amen. Salvation to me is being in a glorified state in the kingdom of God all the way over into the eighth day. I'm going to sit in the heavenly city. I'm going to sit there with you. And we're going to walk up and down the crystal streets of gold. We're going to watch the fountains roll and the roses walk more and the birds twinkling. We're going to have a body and a glory and a presence that we can't even explain, understand, comprehend, or even put in emotion or feeling. It's going to be so far beyond the best days we ever had that we think the best days we ever had is tribulation. We have a promise of Almighty God to walk in a realm that we don't know nothing about, but we know that it is wonderful. Praise be to God. Yes, sir, I believe that also. So we see this law of principle of faith, confession, and with the mouth. Now, here was Paul in Acts 16 when asked the question, what must I do to be saved? But we go to Acts chapter 19, just a few pages over. And we find another group of people now that's confronted with the same question. So in Acts 19, 1 to 7, let's look at it. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, and we see now, if I read the head down there to verse 3, I, I put in your notes. Now, if you look at verse 3, they were disciples of John the Baptist. Now. Okay. We see Paul, asked, he asked the question. They didn't ask Paul, but Paul asked the question. So he must have seen these devout men properly dressed, 
properly conducting themselves, properly looking like a group of Pentecostal people. You can tell the atmosphere around them, you know. But he also understood and could see something was missing. Have you ever been a group around a group of holiness people that you just got to fit? There's something not right here. Something is just missing. I won't get into the story, but I had a man come to put a shower door uh, in my house uh, this past week. And lo and behold, after two months of waiting for it to come in, uh, he was the one that measured it. And he said, well, the door is too small. And we'll have to start all over. It'll be another two or three weeks or a month before you get the shower door. I said, well, you already took my old one out. Well, I ain't going to put it back in because it's too hard to put it back in and take it back out. So here I got to, I started saying a bad word. I got I to rig up some way to take a shower. I could tell the individual the way that he basically conducted himself. And lo and behold, all you had to do is ask the question. Well, what do you think about what's going on? Well, he said, well, I didn't like it one more. I said, well, Brother Branham said, and when I said that, he looked up. I said, oh, you've heard about Brother Branham. Mm-hmm. He said, matter of fact, I've been in your church before. I said, oh, I don't seem to remember you. Oh, he said, I sat there a couple of times. I think he come with George. I sat there a couple of times. I said, so you've heard of Brother Branham. I started to say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Because you can tell something is missing. So I talked to him just a little while, and pretty soon he went to Church of God Doctrine, Seventh-day Adventist, and you could tell what he claimed to believe where he was off of the Word. But he was convinced his doctrine was true. Are you going to convince that man that his doctor is not true? No way. So I said, well, maybe you can come back and visit us sometime, whatever morning. Just let it go. But here Paul seen a group of people that he understood and he could see something. I don't know what he seen because I wasn't there. But he detected something wasn't quite right with this group of people. So Paul asked him the question now. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now remember, I just got through preaching an hour and a half sermon last week out of chapter 16 where he said, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And now he's asking this group of people, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, there's where Brother Bram got in trouble with the Baptists. He said, you Baptists say that you received the Holy Ghost when you believed. But the Apostle Paul asked a group of Baptists, had they received the Holy Ghost since they believed? Uh Uh-oh, now you mean I can be justified and not have the Holy Ghost? Well, let's see what he's talking about. Let's just follow just a little bit here and understand. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Watch now. Since they believed John's gospel. Since they believed John's gospel of the kingdom of God. They believed in repentance. They believed in the coming kingdom of God. They believed there would be a king. They believed that they were under the authority of the God of heaven. They were under rules. They were dotting the I and crossing the T's. They were true believers in what they had heard to be true. Now, had they heard the right thing? Because it seems here, and we understand that John preached the gospel of the kingdom of God that was to come. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So they absolutely might have, I don't know whether they understood or not, but they evidently, hearing John preach, had heard about Jesus, but didn't understand the gospel of Paul, That grace was given by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You can believe on Jesus. 
But do you believe that God raised him from the dead? And if you confess that he is Lord, will be saved by the mouth. You say, that's awful simple. It's awful important. It's like a combination to a lock. You can turn to every number. And if you don't get the right number sequence in line, if you don't get the right principle in line, that lock will not open. So we're looking at, you may have the pieces. Well, I know the number is 2, 6, 10, and 12. But there's an order to those numbers that lines up correctly to open the lock. There's baptism in here. There's uh, Matthew 28, 19. Go forth and baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Go witness this to all nations. There's also Acts 2.38. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Then there's a thief on the cross. He died without being baptized. Can he go to heaven? See, the Word of God is like a jigsaw puzzle, and it takes a master strategician. I'll put it like this. You've got to have a prophet to be able to have the mind to look at this puzzle, put it together, and broadcast a picture of good news that no matter how low life you think you are, God has provided a way for your salvation. If you will think right and believe right, you shall come out right. Amen. So that's what we're looking at. We see that they did not know anything about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we find, because I, I'm going to read this scripture. For in Matthew 3, verses 1 to 6, we find, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, what does he mean, the kingdom of heaven? The authority of God, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The authority of God is at hand. The king of the kingdom is here among us somewhere. It's here. He could say, my minister tell you that he's here. I don't know who he is yet. But as he's preaching this sermon, the Bible said he saw Jesus coming. Then he said, oh, behold, there's the one I'm talking about right there. Because the one that gave me this message told me whom I see the Logos or the light descending upon, he would be the one that would be the sacrifice for your sins. And there he is. Now go follow him. So he said, and the same John had the raiment of so and so, then went out to Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan to hear John, and, they, and were baptized of him. Now watch, they were baptized. They repented and was baptized, confessing their sins. That's good. But if you read down a little further in verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So if I'm a true disciple of John the Baptist, I'm looking for someone to come and baptize me, not just put me in repentance, my sins are gone. I'm looking for somebody to come and baptize me into a spiritual kingdom and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. That not only is my sins covered, but they are absolutely cast in the sea of God's forgetfulness. They as though they never happened before. All the guilt's gone. All the condemnation's gone. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have passed from death unto life. Praise be to God. That's the one I'm looking for. That's the one I'm looking at. Has anybody heard about him being around? Brother Bam, see if you ever see a picture of this pillar of fire and don't seek it out to find out what it's all about, you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. So if that same prophet told us, now you just be quiet a little while, bride. This thing's got to get a little worse before you, anything happens. But remember, you believe me to be God's servant. Let me tell you now. Things are going to get worse and worse. And it's going to happen. This, but right along that time, this third pull, this one is with me. That told me that these things, he will come back. And he will move throughout this body that those he separated by revelation. And that spirit will move internally, us internally, mentally. It will do something inside. I'm not looking for something outside. If a wind come through and shook the sand of your ears, I wouldn't know what wind it was. You say, oh, that's God. The chandeliers are shaking. Well, the devil can shake the chandeliers too. I want something internally. I want something that confirms my heart. I want something that I know that I know. Do you understand? And it comes out of my mouth. 
Not in speaking in tongues, but by revelation. I know God is here. I have been justified by the judge. I stand sinless before Almighty God. And now I wait for the resurrection that I can get out of here. That's what I believe. Let's look at this follow just a little while. I'm, I'm going to get my last week's sermons uh, back again, and I've saved a whole week's sermon. Then said Paul to John, then said Paul, John, he only baptized with the baptism of repentance. They had a baptism for everything, you know. Sing unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. That's exactly what I got through reading. In verse 11, that John the Baptist said. Everybody awake, say amen. amen. When they heard this. How many has heard me preach this morning? When you hear this. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Why would a Baptist be rebaptized? Because their prophet, the messenger, said you got to be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because your baptism is no good anymore. God has moved on, He's turned a corner. Glory to God. Brother Bam said, Listen, you Baptists, listen, you Pentecostals out there, you Jesus only. God has turned a corner. And if you don't go back and be rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the vindication of my message, your other baptism is ineffectual. It does not work. You've got to be baptized because you hear the message of this hour by the prophet himself. This is the word that delivers us. This is the baptism that saves you. This is the one that puts you out of one group into another group. One that justifies you and one that absolutely regenerates your soul that you call a new birth or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I knew for years I preached in almost all the churches in the message at one time or another. And all the legalism and all the whatever more you find wonderful people. But you can tell... That 90% of the people in this message and those in the Pentecostal ranks, especially the oneness, do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They are not born again. Are they Christians? Yes. Are they justified before God? Yes. Will they go to heaven? Yes. Will they be saved at the end? Yes. But they're not born again. They're not elected wise virgins predestinated because they refuse to hear the word. They refuse to hear the word. Have they heard the word? Yes. Will they accept the word? No. What do you mean by that? How many people in the message, when we come out with the revelation of the Son of Man ministry and the perusia or God having descended here in a prophet, how many called it of the devil? 98% of the people in the message said, oh, that perusia puke, that's of the devil. They blasphemed the Holy Ghost right there. Are they preachers? Most preachers done it, blasphemed it. Are they still preaching? Absolutely. What are they preaching? Women don't cut your hair. Women got to get dresses. Women, 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 women. Will they preach doctrine that I'm preaching this morning? Absolutely not. Will they read out of the Bible that you're justified by faith alone? Absolutely not. They believe that you're saved if you keep the rules that they put in effect. Some of them don't believe in going to a boat. Some of them don't believe in riding horses. Some of them don't believe in pink shirts and blue shirts and all this. Whatever they come up with. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that you are justified, made right by the blood of Jesus Christ through faith and faith alone. Yeah, but you don't believe the prophet. I believe the prophet because he said if you don't go take it back to the Word of God. 
Brother Branham's word was not the final authority or the final absolute. This Bible revealed to you is the absolute of Almighty God. So if any man tells you that Jesus is God and the one like your finger, that man, according to the Apostle John, is Antichrist. Any person that tells you there's three gods, three persons in the Godhead, wow, Lord, how come somebody didn't wave a white flag that we're over time? Is a pagan believer. I told this young man, I said, you know what? He said, what do you believe on Sabbath day? I said, it was Saturday. Oh, you believe that, huh? I said, yeah, Sabbath day was, Sabbath day was Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, but remember, we're not Jews. We go to church on Sunday to honor the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not keepers of the law. We are believers by faith. So I said, there's a little difference in what we believe. If musicians come, you'll make me quit. What do you think about speaking in tongues, Brother Gregory? I said, that's a broad statement. I said, now, to let you know, I have spoken tongues. I have prophesied. I had, have discerned spirits. But every one of those things is only gifts of the Holy Ghost. It's only little helps or blessings that the Spirit may give you to help you. They're not the evidence of the Holy Ghost that you're born again a true believer. Oh, you believe that, huh? I said, yep. Okay. I said, so if you believe that speaking in tongues is evidence of the Holy Ghost, I said, we'll probably disagree on that. Oh. The longer we talked, the more we understood that we were believers, but we believed in two different things. Let me just finish this text up right here real quick. Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, Brother Bam said that was after they come up out of the water, after being baptized, he laid hands on them to confirm that they were believers or had accepted his message. The Holy Ghost came on them. Oh, hallelujah. See, Brother Gregory, the Holy Ghost came on them. Praise God. It must be a spirit. You jumped and shouted. Oh. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Ah, Lord, that's wonderful. What did they prophesy? Is this manifestation the evidence that you've got to do this to be saved? No. And all the men were about 12. They received the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they had received the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul spoke to them. And when they come out of the water, they confess Jesus out of their mouth as a witness that they had believed. And that is a sign to everybody. That you have received the Holy Ghost and you are a true believer and you are confirming to you to ever hear that I have received the gospel message that Jesus died for my sins. He took my sins. God imputed to him what I owed. I owed a debt I could not pay. And God put my debt upon Jesus. He took my sins and put it upon Jesus. Was it Jesus' debt that he died for? No. It was mine. It was yours. Every one of us needs and deserves to go to hell. By our works, by our worship, by our deeds, there's not one righteous. No, not one. So what did God do to save us from himself? He provided a son. He provided a way out. He provided a sacrifice. Therefore, he paid a debt that I owed. And when he raised him from the dead, he said, Now you are justified. You are righteous. 
Your debt's been paid. Your soul has been covered. You are free from the sin question. You are now a spirit-filled believer. How many believe that this morning? Let's stand up and sing a song then. Praise be to God. And thank God for enough wind to get through this sermon. That 40% right now, I need about 50% air to finish. But I'll get, how many praise for me to get 50%? Boy, ain't no telling what would happen if I had 80%. I, would, I used to love it. What's that song? Can we sing it? It's not over till it's over. Do y'all know that? Now, you say, well, he didn't say nothing about politics. Well, I said a little bit. But if he carries this out to the end, it's not over till it's over. If we have any justice in this nation, which I doubt very seriously, because you're all your Republican in Washington are devils just like the Democrats. 5% out of 4 million people in Washington, D.C. voted for the president. 5%. Can you imagine 95% of any city being one mind and one, one spirit, one thought? And you wonder why Trump couldn't get anything done? Because every office, every way that's in the Constitution for him to do something has been locked up with people in charge they could lock the door and say, no, 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 no. But any judge who justifies the wicked, and we'll get to that next, next Sunday, is an abomination before God. And any judge that tells a criminal that he's all right, righteous, that judge is just as wicked or more wicked, according to the Scripture, than the criminal, criminal that done the act. That means our judicial system is rotten. Our democracy is over. We're headed for a complete state-controlled system before it's completely annihilated and wiped out by foreign entities. Russia will bomb us. North Korea will help. China will help. They'll land on their shores. They'll rape them Hollywood stars out there that propagates all that sex and all that godliness. And they'll wipe out all this abortion on demand and killing babies and all this stuff. Because remember, 80% of the American politics now are controlled by homosexuals and sodomites. The prophet of God talked about Romans chapter 1 that the homosexuals will be the one that will come over and take over America in its politics, bring in this immorality just like Sodom. And in Sodom, they hunted every preacher, every righteous person to defile them. They're not after your business people out here, they're after the church. This spirit says, oh, we want to shut down Benny. We want, they want to shut down the church. They are coming after us. So listen, young people. Your days are numbered. You're living in an age of the final concept of humanity. We're in the dying days of what we call humanity. It is over. This Bible is fulfilled. Except the little group will get out of here for 1,260 days. And they will come back and walk out on the ashes of the wicked. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom that he preached, will be set up according to Jesus and the disciples that preached the kingdom of God. He will set up his kingdom and we will rule and reign with him as priests of Almighty God. We are the chosen jewels in God's economy, you are somebody special. Let the Word of God declare who you are. Put it in your mouth and say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And we can say, it's not over till it's over. God bless you. We're going to be dismissed, and we got a baptismal service. Thank you for the effort of coming.
And thank you, young people, for coming. Because you are the last generation to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I feel the responsibility and the weight of the responsibility of preaching you the foundational truth that will bring the salvation of your soul. I cannot make you bride or unbride you. I cannot place your election. Only God can do that. But let me assure you, you take the simplicity of God's Word and exercise your faith by the confession of your mouth. You shall be delivered from sin and you shall stand just before the judge. When you stand at the white throne judgment, when they open the book, let your voice be heard declaring Jesus Christ is Lord. Because every tongue, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God. So let's do it here, would you? So if you don't mind, we'll assemble back in the back room and have a baptismal service. And maybe, maybe next week or another week or two, all this sickness and whatever more will filter through and we'll all get together again and go down and see what happens. Amen. So be alert. Something has changed. We're in a different cycle. The good news will be just a little different. The gospel will be a little different. You will be different. Your views will be different, and your life is going to be changed. I pray by your confession it will be to the good. Amen. But don't worry, every believer has a measure of suffering, and we shall endure, and God will take us through it by His grace. Amen. So God bless you. Thank you once again for coming. Those online that are basically at home for different reasons, we pray that you've got something out of the message. And we will pick this thought up because I want to basically ground us in the faith that we stand right before God simply by our faith and our confession in Jesus Christ and nothing else. Period. What about Brother Branham? I just got through telling you exactly what Brother Branham said. We had a prophet to come and restore to us the revelation given to the Apostle Paul. That's what this message is all about, is the good news that God has opened our understanding to Paul's gospel of grace, whereby we can be saved and set apart as righteous.